You are now listening to It's a Streamable Life, chronicling life in the peak entertainment era. We're your hosts, Lauren and Brandon. Welcome to another episode of It's a Streamable Life with Lauren and Brandon. And we are in the last week of October. Um, how has your weekend been? Uh, it was all right. It was uh, gloomy, but it was uh, yeah. It was okay. Didn't didn't really do too much. It got cold. Pretty cool here, so I stayed in, man. Watched some football, and that was it. Yeah, it rained all day Saturday. Was right. that Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was Saturday. It rained Saturday, and I had a had to go to the funeral, and then I was just in because yeah. it, it was just nasty. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. So as we get into this episode, it is Halloween. Halloween is upon us, and yeah. uh, we'll be all the channels are getting their spooky film reels going and whatnot. So our right. question of the week is: What's the worst horror movie you've ever seen? This was difficult because I, I usually pretty open to horror movies. It's, it's, I don't know, it's like my favorite genre, but I would have to say um, uh, Leprechaun, like with Jennifer Aniston. Uh, yeah. Oh my, I, I just, it's such a dumb premise. Like I just, <laughs> I just, I just can't get into it. And I know a lot of people like it and there's multiple sequels, but oh man, every time it comes on, I'm just like, this is, this is dumb. This is even scary. It's a, yeah, okay. Uh, mine, I'm not as much as a horror fan, but I remember this being one of the worst movies I've seen. Darkness Falls. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. I believe, I think we rented it, and like a third way through, we were like, oh, this is trash. And we just right. turned it off. Like it was terrible. It wasn't scary, and it was just right. not good. Oh, I forgot all about that movie. That was like early 2000s, wasn't it? Yeah, it, the the premise seemed interesting, but the execution was just terrible, and it was just like, no, no, oh. not at all. Yeah, yep. Really? So we'll begin this episode with our illness, our news. First, we'll, we'll start with the box office wrap up from this weekend. Joker uh, rebound to the number one spot. Yeah, I saw that. So it's it's been making a bunch of money and continues yeah. to. Uh, number two, Melissa Fent, Mistress of Evil. Yeah. We have the Adams Family at number three. Zombieland, Devil Tap at number four. And to round out the top five, we have Countdown, the horror flick where you download the app, it tells you how many days you have left to live. Oh, yeah. 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 So. Okay. So pretty kind of a, a holiday-ish box office there. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Not too bad. Then we'll get into the news here. Briefly, um, I'll mention HBO Max is just now having an event in Burbank where they're announcing, um, I guess, sort of like the shows and what to expect from their service. So you can follow along live on Twitter now at their handle. So I'll be bringing you updates briefly here and there if anything catches my eye. Right. But they don't watch until next year, so. Yeah. And then our number three official story, some cancellations and renewals here. It turned out that uh, Cloak and Dagger, a Marvel show on Freeform, was canceled after yeah. two seasons. 
I thought the show was pretty decent. Um, it explored some different themes in the in the comic realm, especially with that demographic, with the teenage demographic. So I thought it was a great show. Yeah, I just uh, I saw that and I immediately thought of you because you always spoke about the show. So yeah, it was it was really well done. Um, hopefully, it might show up on Hulu. I know the characters are supposed to cross over with Runaways, which is a show on Hulu. Okay. So maybe they'll they'll exist there, but they are not on Freeform anymore. Wow. And as they left Freeform, and news was announced that Modern Love was renewed on Amazon. Nah, man. This I I I'm gonna I'm gonna call it right now. When that second season comes out uh, for that show, it's gonna be so diverse because I've seen multiple articles saying that it was just so so white just yeah so i think uh i think we should expect that but you know who who knows so let's hope they get it right but. yeah so we'll see how that goes uh, our number two story um with apple tv plus launching november 1st apple's streaming service we've gotten early reviews for their four beginning series and the reviews are not that great yeah. Um, everything's basically lukewarm from the morning show with Jennifer Anderson and Reese Witherspoon to the uh, apocalyptic genre show C with Jason Momoa. Everything seems to just be sort of there. Yeah. It didn't look good at all. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they've already greenlit second seasons for some of these shows, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And then what's the show with, uh, what's her name? Haley Stanfield and, and Wiz Khalifa? Yeah, Dickinson. It's supposed to be a modern retelling of Emily Dickinson. Sort of like that movie First Night with Heath Ledger. Yeah, know, yeah. How they like, something like that. It didn't look, I mean. Yeah, no. So yeah. I'm not sure who's all running to their Apple devices to get this. Friday. Yeah. Uh, we'll just see how it has to go because I was speaking with some people on Twitter when this news dropped this morning. Apple TV is not their, it's just not their thing. So, right. yeah. so I'm not sure where they'll go from here. Right. And speaking of TV not being their thing, our number one story here is that uh, how, what are their names? Oh, the Game of Thrones guys? Yeah, David and Damon? Yeah, I think so. I'll look it up real quick, but go ahead and keep talking. Yeah, uh, they have backed out of directing the Star Wars trilogy, which was supposed to launch, I think, in 2020 or 2021. Yeah. Um, it was announced this morning that the Game of Thrones creators have backed out their deal with Star Wars, apparently because of their simultaneous deal with Netflix. They thought it'd be too much to handle, so they are now out of the Star Wars deal. Wow. Which I forgot they had struck a deal with Netflix. Yeah. So. Oh, just real quickly, one guy's name is David, I'm guessing Binoff, and then the other yeah. guy's name is D.B. Weiss. Oh, okay, D.B. Weiss, okay. Yeah. And that's really ironic because they did some type of panel where they explained their sort of writing process for the series of Game of Thrones. Yeah. And some guy I was following on Twitter was updating on his thread. 
and they basically didn't know what the hell they were doing. That's, that's what it's boiled down to. Like, they had no prior TV experience. They had no writer's room. It was just those two. And then wow. they had two writers help here and there. But they, they basically said that it was like, uh, what what they call it? Like a a TV instructional class for them. Like this show wow. was like their first anything. That's crazy. So like after the fifth season where the book stops, they were just sort of on their own. And I guess HBO give, had offered to do writer's rooms or add help and they just didn't yeah. take it. So how did... I don't know. I think that says a lot more about Hollywood that they had no experience and then they get a show like that. Yeah, it definitely does. And yeah. people can say, you know, they didn't expect Game of Thrones to be, you know, this big hit, but it's HBO, like. Right, exactly. Like, they don't just hire anybody, but clearly they do. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, Game of Thrones news related, the prequel that was just, that was set for HBO starring Naomi Watts has been canceled. Ah, okay. Okay. So, who knows what's going on with with all of that? Right. I think maybe that's for the best. Prequels usually don't hit very well. Right. Right. And yeah. with with all the I guess aftermath of the season and what happened right. and what have you, I think it's best to just sort of leave that property for right, right. for a little bit. That concludes our news segment. We'll now transition into not our TV segment, where we saw uh, episode three or four of Mr. Robot. I think it's four. I think it was episode four, yeah. Yeah. Episode two of Watchmen. Yes. So we'll start with Mr. Robot. Um, This episode was a bit lighter, if that exists, in this universe. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. It wasn't... I don't think we, I don't think we learned a lot. It was almost like a, I will, you could almost say it's like a filler episode. Yeah, yeah, it was like a transitional sort of like had, right, uh, two, well, three just sort of separate incidents happening. Nothing really right. interlocked this season. You just had like three featurettes, sort of, right, just sort of like taking up space. But but I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, yeah. There's humor in it. It was uh, it was good. It was it was a good reprieve from last week. Jesus. Yeah, we need to breathe. We need to breathe. So we have um, Elliot and Mr. Robot reuniting with Tyrell. Right. And they one got to escape the Dark Army men that have been following them. Right. Right. And they wind up in some town or. Yeah, I think they go to like northern New York or something. So they, yeah, they get outside of the city and they add yeah. in some little town. Yeah, and they basically get lost. Yeah, yeah, that's their whole point of their story. <laughs> yeah, so so this time in the forest where they're trying to find a way back to sort of civilization, they sort of have like these sort of deep discussions, and Tyrell really gets a lot, a lot really philosophical and right going through his emotions and he and Elliot trying to see where they went wrong. Cause he, he, he has some type of emotional ties to Elliot where Elliot just doesn't, yeah. doesn't reciprocate. Um, and then we transition to Darlene who's trying to reach Elliot. Um, right. 
and she's on a mission of some sorts and she breaks into a car right <laughs> and it turns out that it uh, allegedly belongs to this drunken Santa Claus named Tobias right and a weird transaction goes on where she agrees to take him home if he forgets about the whole carjacking or whatever and they have like a heart-to-heart right right um it's about their situations basically Darlene assumes that you know he's suicidal and drinking taking Percocets and she's in a dark place so she sort of forgets her own problems and tries to be a a supportive shoulder to cry on for him right right and then we have Dom who has sunk to a new low she's going through it man yeah she's uh we open to her uh pleasuring herself by watching Darlene in the in the interrogation video, I said, "Girl, that, right that that was so crazy to me." I was like, "Oh, damn!" That's... <laughs> and she's on this chat, and she connects with this woman, and you know, she's feeling a little anxious and appreh- apprehensive, but right. you know, they have a connection, and they decide to meet up, and she goes to get something out of the bathroom and she sees these floods of flowers and candles in the bathtub all of a sudden the woman is a part of the dark army in the in the mask and tries to drown dom right and then she wakes up yes (laughs) and it's all freaking goddess she wakes up she's she had leslie pass out in sleep and it's been hours and she forgot to go to Christmas Eve dinner with her mom and right, right. everything and it just sort of like it sort of shakes her to to reality I guess sort of like a right but it's just just it's just an echo representation of the dark sort of orbit she's in that she can't right. really escape but yeah when that is something about that her masturbating to the interrogation scene was just so dark. I was like, oh my God, what? Yeah, it's like the only footage of Darlene she has. She didn't have like a picture. No, or anything. Like, it was just, ooh. Right. So then after we see her sort of recover from this nightmare, um, Darlene reaches Tobias' home and, you know, through a comical fit of airs, it turns out that he's not suicidal. Right. His wife isn't dead. She had an accident. The Percocet's hers. And it's not even his car. No, it's somebody else. <laughs> his I car's in the driveway. Right, right. That was the funniest part. So she basically hijacks someone else's car. And it, all this time she's been focusing on his issues. It finally gives her a chance to unload. And I think it was healthy for her just to sort yeah. of get it all out. To tell somebody else about how much she despises Elliot. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's hard for her to to sort of admit those feelings because they're they're all that they have. Yeah. Is each other. So and then finally, um, after walking aimlessly, uh Tyrell, Mr. Robot, and, and Elliot seem to be walking in circles until they hear this screaming or noise yeah. in the darkness. Yeah, it's weird noise, yeah. And it turned out to be like a, a a deer that was been hit. Yeah, I think so. And the deer's been hit by the Dark Army van, basically. 
and they creep up on the van thinking that the guy could still be alive because that was the issue right uh they were at a gas station had stolen the van and knocked the guy out but then they came out and the van was gone so he wasn't right. dead so they sneak up on the van and sure enough the dark army soldier is alive and gunshots are fired alien christian or alien mr robot <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> uh escape shots but uh terrell is not so lucky right and he shot and they sort of um foreshadowed this the whole episode his like talk of being remembered and just sort of yeah this i really really there's no way that they could spin this and tyrell could be elliot's other personality that just doesn't make sense there's no way yeah because he had a whole nother life right that's what i'm saying and that's why i don't think it could happen but sometimes their conversations man just like I'm just like what that because that's yeah. why his whole thing about wanting elliot to be closer to him is what makes me think that but yeah mm-hmm. i mean terrell had a a, a baby a, a wife he was somebody else so yeah so we assume that tyrell um is dying or is on his way to die because he just sort of walks into the night until he right. approaches this glowing purple light Right, yeah. Thing, which we don't know what it is, so. No clue. Yeah, so as of now, we think he's on his way out, but we never know with with Mr. Robot. Never. Um, and then, switching gears, uh hour before that, we had second episode of HBO's Watchmen. And this gave us a little bit more backstory um, to some of the characters, specifically Angela, um, uh, gave backstory on the White Knight, which was the attack on the police. Yeah. And we got some more information on some different characters. Uh, what were your thoughts on this episode? Um, it was another good one. Like you said, it was, we, we learned a lot, which was helpful. And um, we saw her connection to uh, her boss. Okay, what was his name? Uh, Judd. Judd, that's right. Yeah, so we yeah. saw how they had their connection, why they were so close. And uh, so that was good. And then um, we got a little bit more Jeremy Irons character, which just, uh, that, that was strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have seen people hypothesize that maybe uh, the two butlers or whatever were clones or, or right. machines. And I guess people were right. Um, he has multiples of these people that he just right. goes through. Yeah, because, I definitely. Oh, I thought they were machines or something, just from the way they moved and. Yeah, the way they behaved around him. Right. Uh, yeah, near the end of the episode, we see him have this play, and it's basically a reenactment of a Doctor Manhattan's sort of origin story. Right. Right. Um, he tried some tests, and the test went wrong, and he sort of incinerates into this beam Charged. of yeah. just energy or whatever. Right. So we'll, we'll definitely uh, pieces more stuff together for that character, but we, we're still sort of in the dark about his motives. Right. And then with Angela, we, we get um, some backstory on, on the White Knight and what actually occurred. Um, 
40 officers were attacked by the 7th Cavalry on that day, and her partner and his wife were murdered. So we find out that the kids that she has adopted were her partner's kids. That's why they're yeah. white, which, which yeah. makes sense. Um, I'm glad they cleared that up. I was like, yeah. what? Yeah, because kind of perplexing. Right. And um, Angela, the episode opened up with a scene from World War, let me get this right, one, correct? Yeah, I think so. And um, they, they said that this actually happened. The Germans dispersed letters from the sky to black soldiers, yeah. um, basically explaining, look, you're fighting for a country that doesn't respect you, at least here you, you'll be respected and won't face discrimination. So it was propaganda, but it was half true yeah. propaganda, basically. It's kind of bold, though, especially since, um, well, like in a few years, Hitler would have made those comments about Jesse Owens when he was in the Olympics, if you think right. about it. Right, so, right. So, so they were trying any, any and every way to win this yeah. war, basically. Um, so that's how we open and we zoom back to the present with Angela uh, again driving up to see Judd's body hanging from the tree and her speaking to Louis Gossett Jr.'s character. Yeah. Which um, we find out is Angela's grandfather. Right. Yeah. I, I kind of expected that. Are they con connected in some way? Yeah. And it turns out her grandfather is a little boy, Will, from yeah. the, um, the, the flashbacks of Tulsa. And someone's been protecting or watching over this boy ever since 1921 yeah. because right. um, after getting him to a secret location and sort of like find out who he is through the um, DNA Cultural Center, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was awesome really cool. With a cameo from Henry Louis Gates. Right, um, yeah. Of course he was reading. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Angela, you know, gets gets Will into the car and a giant magnet grabs the car and just sort of yeah. lifts him away. Right. It's just... So we don't, don't know who that or who or what that is. Um, he was saying before that he, he was, I think he was joking that he was Mr. Manhattan, but it's just like, right. maybe he does have some connection to him. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he, he mentioned like he has friends in high places. So we're right, not right. sure where or who's been looking after him ever since. Um, and we, we do see that he, he has memory issues because he, he didn't remember telling Angela anything about her uh, boss's background and the skeletons in his right. closet. So Angela, curious, <clears throat> goes to the, I guess, memorial party, well, not party, yeah. but gathering for Judd, does a fantastic job faking a, a, a faint spell. Yeah. And gets to work and she finds a clan robe in a secret compartment in his closet. Right, right. So she's questioning, you know, this whole her whole relationship with this man that she's known uh, as a, a uncle to her, and if he had possible ties to the Ku Klux Klan. But I mean, it got me thinking the way they explain, you know, how the attack happened and who died, whatnot. He could have very well been a part of that, you know. Yeah killed her partner and stuff to get to her for some reason i don't know it right, just yeah. there's a lot of questions a lot to unpack 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and the episode ended with the whole magnet and the car thing. But I thought the entire um, scene where they're going to round up the suspected yeah, uh, Calvary and Nixonville, right. as you will, that that said a lot about, you know, that, that they, again, sort of inverted the whole police brutality right. sort of treatment of Blacks onto whites from police. It was kind of hard to watch to sort of root, root for them to find the killer, but the method was just terrible. Was, she beat that dude's ass, though, man. Yeah, she did. And, <laughs> and I knew it was a fit of anger because she was not here for, you know, the unnecessary, you know, pillaging through their, their community. Right, right. But the dude was going to on the attack, and she... She just... Yeah, she let him have it. Right. So we will be back uh, next week with episode three of Watchmen and five of Mr. Robot to see what happens next. Do you know how many episodes of Watchmen there are? I think it's nine, they said. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And allegedly it's supposed to be a, uh, a ending. So this might just be a one season thing. Okay. So they have a close ending, allegedly, because a lot of screeners already have seen the first six episodes. Uh. <clears throat> that's the end of our not segment we'll transition to no concessions where we got a, a few new trailers um did you see the l world generation q trailer yes i did I what did you that. think um seeing as how i watched the original l word it's a it's a lot different um you know you still have jennifer bills and um catherine morning and shane and all those people but um it, it looks it looks lighter, like happier. Yeah. Like there's that's, a different there's a different air to it. Yeah, that's what I noticed too. I didn't watch the original, but I know this looked a lot more not funnier, but it looked Yeah, not as the original one was kinda it wasn't dark, but it was like more of a drama, more grim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it'll be interesting and um I, I guess the younger people, the people below Jennifer Bills and the, the original cast, I I guess they're millennial age. I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what they're. Because they're age. living on their own, but right. I don't know right. how far away from college they are or what. Right. But it looks diverse. It looks really diverse. And yeah, yeah, I'm more interested in this than I was with Tales of the City reboot or whatnot. Yeah. That I watched those too many episodes. They really could cut that short. But <laughs> I, I think it was like ten episodes, and I made it through six. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, yeah, too much, too yeah. much. Will uh, that be coming out next month? Uh, yeah, I think it's December eighth. So okay, not too far. Yeah, no, not at all. And then with two week, with us being two weeks away from Disney Plus on yes. November twelfth, we could receive the second trailer for The Mandalorian. This one yeah. was a little bit more character-driven. Um, we heard the Mandalorian speak at the end, right. so he will talk. People will assume that he wasn't going to say anything. I um, mean, it still looked good. Uh, right. Carl Esposito looks like he's working for the Empire, so that should be interesting. But uh, here's my question. Now, is this like... 
I know in the movies, Boba Fett is kind of like the represent representative of the Mandalorians. They just kind of put, took all of them and put them into one character that was him. Right. But this is about the whole race and not just like Boba right. Fett, right? Right, because I'm pretty sure this one, by this time, Boba Fett's already dead. Oh, okay, okay. okay. This is supposed to be between... Uh, I think it's supposed to be between Return of the Jedi and uh, whatever. It's supposed to be between that, one of the trilogies. Okay. Right. So yeah, I'm pretty sure Boba Fett is dead and this Mandalorian is sort of like out and about. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the timeline. And then, I didn't know this was happening, but we got a trailer for a new a uh, grudge, a reboot, reboot of the um, two th- early two thousand film, which starred Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, uh, yeah. And this one looks a lot more diverse. <laughs> right. Yeah. We've got John uh, Cho right. as one of the main characters, and I never saw the original, but I remember. Um, I guess once you sort of witness something it follows you yeah it's sort of i think the whole thing is like i haven't seen it so long but if i'm not mistaken i think it's like if you if you witness somebody die right in like a A gruesome way yeah exactly like in a bad way or like they're angry or something um and then like it follows you or something so yeah Okay. It it actually looked really good. Yeah, um, yeah, it was, it was decent. Yeah, I don't know if I'll see it in theaters, but <laughs> I'm interested. It comes out in January. A lot a lot more movies are just coming out whenever. So, right, yeah. So that I'll have to put add that to my list for twenty twenty. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, it really did. I, I just saw on Twitter I was like, Oh, a new grudge. Huh. And then we both saw some things. Um, I watched Dolomite's My Name last Friday. Okay. It's, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's uh, it's uh, in my list, so I've seen nothing but, like, good reviews of it. Yeah, Eddie Murphy was great. The cast was great. Um, and it really so, sort of, as, as being a youth and you heard Dolomite, you know, it was something right. you couldn't watch. You weren't it wasn't age appropriate, but right. it really um, puts Rudy Ray more in perspective on for what he did for black people in film. Yeah. And sort of following your dream. Um, it, it's a really good movie. It's funny, but it has a lot of heart as well. So people That's are good. saying that Eddie definitely deserves um, some talk during the award season. Okay. And Wesley Snipes, I will say, stole every scene he was in. He was hilarious. <laughs> so he 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 could get supporting actor as well. And then um last Wednesday I watched the first three episodes of season two of Castle Rock on Hulu. Yeah. This shit is <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Um basically it's Castle Rock is a series produced by JJ Abrams, which sort of takes narratives from the Stephen King's book universe and right. explores them, what they look like now. And season two uh, focuses on 
Annie Wilkes, who was the nurse from Misery. Yeah. And sort of like her origin story. Um, her and her daughter, who's played by Alicia Fisher, and they crazily wind up in Castle Rock and yeah. sort of like the, just what occurs when this woman with a dark past enters a place with a dark past and how that doesn't mix very well. So, okay. um, and it's, uh, it's, what's her name, right? Lindsay Copeland? Lizzie Kaplan, yeah. Kaplan. She's, she's excellent. Uh, stars Lizzie Kaplan, Tim Robbins is in it, and Paul Sparks, he was in, um, I know him most for House of Cards. He played the journalist that oh. Claire like has an affair with. Yeah, I, I I can see the face. Yeah, he's in it. Um, it's it's really good. I didn't make it through season one of Castle Rock because I thought it was too slow. This yeah. one starts right off the bat in the first episode. So um, there's three episodes up now, and then they drop a uh, episode every week on Wednesday. So a new episode will be up tomorrow. Alright. Yeah, I may have to check that out. Have to get Hulu, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Um, I I had the deuce on here, and it had its series finale. Um, but I still need to like digest that, so I'm not going to talk about it. Okay. But, <laughs> oh, man. What I will say is that um, I think how do I say this? I think oh, it's, it's David Simon, right? Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, creator. I think he's one of the most talented people alive, but I still don't think he's getting the praise that he deserves. Yeah, and everybody yeah. knows how good uh, The Wire was, and Treme was a little different, but um, man, this show, it, oh man, it was great. And Maggie Gyllenhaal, she needs an Emmy. Uh, it, what's rough about it is that James Franco was in it, and then he had his whole yeah thing issue, and I I feel like as a thing of it was he was already so deep in the show, and his character so important that they just wouldn't make sense to let him go. But um, everybody else, despite him, I mean, other than him, was uh, uh like incredible. So, but yeah, I I just watched the finale, so I need to let it sit a little bit more. But um, okay. um watch Mrs. Fletcher. Uh, the new show on HBO, uh, starring Katherine Hahn. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, it, it, this first episode was slow. Her son goes to college, um, and then you, you kind of get a background of both of them. She's very, I want to say reserved, but just her life kind of focuses on her son and making sure he does what he needs to do and getting to where he needs to go. And he's kind of like a jock asshole type of person uh, that's in high school and uh and then he gets to college and it, it seems like it's not going to be the case the way he was in high school isn't how it's going to be oh uh, well yeah usually the way it is right exactly exactly so there's that and then um uh, but a funny part and the part that kind of sets up the rest of the story is that she's just kind of figure out what she does next in her life and the whole premise of the show is she kind of rediscovers her sexuality, but she works at a retirement home slash assistant mm-hmm. living facility. And uh, one of the older guys there is just watching porn on full blast. And so, oh. so she walks in and stops him and talks to him. And then at night, she kind of revisits the porn site and just kind of like, oh, wow. And, you know, and then she watches it and then that kind of sparks this thing. And 
her mind where, uh, you know, maybe she'll dive into her sexuality now. But it was, it was all right. Um, had okay. its fine So we'll see where it goes. I think it's only seven episodes. All right. That's not too bad. Yeah. All right. Right before we get into the future presentation, it is award season time. Um, the Oscars will be happening in February in 2020. So right now, there's a smaller award ceremonies happening here and there that was sort of sort of predict what films we can expect to be nominated or in the running. So on November 3rd, the full winners of the Hollywood Film Awards will be announced. Yep. And those, I look at the current winners and those seem to be more of um, sort of mainstream films here yeah. and there. And then uh, December 2nd, we'll have the Gotham uh, winners announced and those nominations are all up. Um, that's more indie heavy film and yeah, sort of a smaller TV series. Okay. So once those winners are announced and whatnot, we'll sort of update you on on who's being uh, cheered on for what come around Oscar season. Right. And we'll have our feature presentation now. Since it's Halloween uh, this week, we will be discussing our top three scary movies. So yes. why we love them and what favorite scene we have from each one. So do you want to go first or? Yeah, and you want me to just go through all three? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, so these aren't, well, they're kind of in order, but okay, so the first one is Scream. And now this movie came out in 1996, so I wouldn't have seen it when I was five years old, but I, I probably would have seen it. Uh, it had to be a couple of years later. And, um, you know, it had all the, had oh, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox was in it, David Arquette, uh, uh, Drew Barrymore was in it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, she was in it. And um, it was like, a, I think it was just like a new sort of slasher film. Or not new, but just kind of different from Halloween. Just an updated version of that. You can almost say this was, it was different yeah. and kind of innovative. But um, I think what I liked about it was just, I wouldn't even say it was believable, but it was just fun. I think the pacing was good is what it is. And it's just kind of like, you know, this whole town is terrorized and this person is calling them on the phone and making, you know, these uh, these threats to them and whatnot. And um, that's that's kind of what I liked about it. It was it was it was creepy because it it was something that could happen. You know what I mean? Like Right. Yeah. Yeah. J Michael Myers was unbelievable. This he comes back every year, and y'all haven't caught him. Like, come on! <laughs> and he's walking around. Mm -hmm. But uh, Scream was a bit more believable. But um, I'd say my favorite scene in this movie is probably probably just like the first phone call. Like, it's just it's just so spooky. It's yeah. just creepy. We got, and I don't know if because it's Drew Barrymore. She's just in her house, looking through the windows or whatever, and. Uh, walking around and checking the doors and then she gets to the window and he's there. And then, um, oh, and that too, that mask. Ah, oh, man, that mask. Yes, iconic. Everywhere. I had it for Halloween one year, probably two years. It was, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was the first one. Uh, the next one is The Ring, which I shouldn't have seen as early as I did and it absolutely ruined me. Um, but uh, it was... Uh, it kind of felt the same thing. It, it was what got me about it was the fact that 
I had a TV. Now, you know, it wasn't using VHSs then, but right. it was like, I remember going to sleep facing the wall because I didn't want to look at my TV, man. Like <laughs> for like months, I was, I was that just shaken up by it. And, uh, but then it was just like the talk of school everywhere. It's like, oh man, you see the ring, blah, 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 seven days, this and that. And uh, I'd say my favorite scene is um, probably, I would I would say, have to say when um, we get you get like Samara's backstory like with her mother and all that. Yeah. Because at first you just like, oh well this chick is just crazy she's going all the well and whatnot. But then when you learn about it, it was a little darker and uh, then when you kind of see her face for the first time. So, um, and then the last one which I already mentioned was is Halloween. It's my my favorite Halloween movie. It's probably cliche and stereotypical, but um i have it uh i watch it every year when it comes on around this time and uh it's just kind of like that that slasher film it's 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 i think because we didn't grow up in the 70s and we've seen different stuff like it's it's hokey like it's low-key funny like yeah there are a lot of holes in it and uh i think my favorite (laughs) my favorite scene and it has nothing to do with killing but it's one of the holes is that Michael is in the town and he's ter- and he's kind of just, he's been there and uh, oh, what's her name? Activia. Yes. <laughs> I can't think of her name. <laughs> uh, I, she's yes. She's seen, she saw Michael behind like the hedge or whatever. But then at one point, Michael's driving a car. And every time I watch it, <laughs> I just, I crack up because I was like, this man has been in, in an insane silence since he was like, where did he have time to learn how to drive a car but he drives past him and he speeds and then he stops and it like creeps him out but um yeah man it's one of my favorite movies and uh uh i'd always say they need to stop making them but i know i'm going to see these next two movies that they're about to come out with so right but yeah that's that all righty uh my top three um the first one uh is the mothman prophecies Oh, God. Um, this came out in 2002 and starred Richard Gere and Laura Linney and it was uh, like a supernatural mystery type film and it was actually based on actual events you know there were, right. were uh, documented records of people um, seeing this man and or this creature and things that they were professing were were going to happen. Um, right. Basically, Gears, Gear and his wife are in an accident, and the days leading up to her death, um, his wife talks about seeing this moth creature, this moth man, and future damnation and stuff like that. So he goes and investigates these things in Virginia, where these other people have seen this creature, and they they say they prophesize like the end of the world and whatnot. And I just remember being shook by it because again like you said it could it could happen like it's that like unsolved mystery type lore where you know this did happen and it may not be something mythical but right right it's possible so i remember that being sort of like chilling me to my bone um it was just a different type of of horror movie right and then my number two was also the ring yeah. Um, I couldn't look at running water 
for days <laughs> after that. Like I just remember just being totally taken aback from the story. Right. Just how grounded it was. Like everyone had tapes. Like yeah. it was it's just something you do. Like pop a videotape in and watch a horror movie or something and everyone has a phone and hear a voice and people were doing that for ages, eons afterwards. I think uh, my favorite scene in the ring is the iconic, you know, when she comes out of the TV. Like, oh, yeah. That was so innovative and... Right, right. Um, yeah, it was just totally, totally new then. So that's my number two. And then my number three is Final Destination. Um, well, quick, miraculously, both Mothman and the Ring came out in 2002. And then Final Destination came out in 2000. I remember we rented this. And we're sitting there watching it, I think it was me and my dad. And that first scene where he he sees the vision and then they get off and then happens. Yeah. To this day, it's still one of the incredible, incredible scenes. Right, right. Um, this is basically a story about uh, some teenagers who essentially escaped death. And since they did this, death ch basically chases them down one by one and they sort of play this game of, you know, escape room or whatever, kind of, sort right. of. Um, I think my favorite scene would have to be the first first death after the plane explosion with uh, his friend in the shower. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one was crazy. That was crazy. Like, he, yeah. the water comes up the drain and he slips and somehow the shower core gets around his neck and he... Yeah. Yeah, hangs. He essentially hangs himself or gets hanged. Um, crazy scene. So, those are my top three scary movies. No, I can't remember if it was in that one or the second one, but the scene that stuck with me in that one and still sticks to me sticks with me to this day is the. Um, ah, they're on the highway. And there's that those cut down trees on the back of that that semi bed. Yes, I think that's in number two or three. I can't remember which one. Yeah, but, but yeah. Lauren, every time we I get on the highway or something, and uh, those semi trailers start swinging, they have cars or you know they don't really carry lumber like that around here. But um, I just think about man, these cars come loose, man. Dude, that's it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I always like get nervous around those type of vehicles it's right. it's that thing that like it could happen like exactly it could just be exactly. a freak accident but it's possible you know, it's very possible yeah right. that's sort of what's what scares me the most is things that that are possible right so that brings us to the close of this episode and we'll be back next week with more uh tv film and mm. whatnot in the realm of peak entertainment all right all right we are out. Peace. Yeah, peace. This has been It's a Streamable Life, chronicling life in the peak entertainment era. Listen weekly on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you listen to podcasts.